Hello and welcome to Sound Advice, the startup podcast brought to you by Sage. Over 1 million British businesses use Sage's award-winning software to manage their finances, invoicing and cash flow. So if you want to boss your first year in business, take a look at Sage Accounting. I'm your host, Bex Byrne Callender, and today we are meeting a truly brilliant businesswoman, Hazel Reynolds, the founder of Gamely Games, which has created the smash hit card games Randomize and Soundiculous. She created the first game to tempt her sister away from her iPad, and the following year it was an Amazon bestseller. So tell me about games. Right, my intro makes it sound so easy. You just came up with this incredible card game and boom, you're away. Tell me about what makes your company uniquely different from maybe the kind of traditional idea, maybe the stereotype. So do you kind of have very set working hours and you're not burning the midnight oil? And I know, for example, that you do a lot of work with charity and, you know, you give away a lot of games, which for many kind of manufacturers, that's like you don't devalue your brand by giving um, giving things away. So tell me what makes you unique and happy in what you do we do lots of big shiny things that I can tell you about that are all kind of shiny fun happy good things but I think just underpinning all of it is like a genuine love for the people you work with and respect and trust you know we're trying to set up the company that we'd like to see in the world so actually what do we expect from companies what do we think the best way is to run a business but yeah so we've got this we've got a motto which is have fun and do good Um, and we try and, uh, come back to that, you know, when we're making decisions. So, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. We've grown a really, you know, profitable, healthy, uh, successful business, but that sort of seems to be a kind of side effect of the way that we've, we've run up, run our business. Um, so yeah. So when we're thinking about, um, doing good, uh, we think around, um, three, three big areas. So doing good for our customers. So obviously we feel so lucky, like we're in the business of joy and happiness. We get to wake up and think about how to bring people together and how to get people laughing and making memories with the people people they love. So that's kind of in itself, we're quite lucky that that's, that's at the heart of our company, um, but also in the way that we treat them. So we, we call it showering them with kindness. You know, if we ever get a customer who needs help with something, we just... We try and go above and beyond what they might expect, uh, whether that's sending them free games, making sure that they feel good, um, doing good things for our team. So we love our team. We, we get to spend our, our day with our team. They're awesome. There's five of us now. We just hired our fifth person. And I, I do a lot of work thinking about how we can make the environment the best it can be for, for them to thrive. You know, you have to as well. Like in, in, the, in the olden days when, you know, people were... You know, if you're working in a job making something like manufacturing a brick, you know, if your boss is horrible to you, you can you can generally be horrible to someone and get them to make more bricks. Like that is the old view that you have to like be really strict to your employees and it's all about kind of production. But we're not making bricks like we're in the business of ideas and, um, you know, we don't have huge budgets. We don't have a huge team. What we've got is good ideas that we you know execute well and put out into the world so trying to create that environment where people feel happy trusted loved, so they can do their their best work we've also got some shiny things like you know loads of holiday days paid sabbaticals once you've been here five years we do thousand pounds to charity on your birthday and yeah all sorts of little kind of little shiny things that are like the cherry on top but um, underneath it all is that genuine caring for people um, and the last one, sorry, I'm going on a bit, but the last one is uh, doing good for um, the wider world. We feel super lucky that we can have an impact on the wider world. And from, from the very beginning, you know, as well as bringing people together to see what we could do um, to help more people, 
So from the start, we've given away um, 10% of our profits to charity, um, which was nice and small at the beginning, but now is growing uh, growing to be some quite significant sums, which feels brilliant. We give away a lot of games. So last year we gave away uh, around two and a half thousand games and we want to we wanna double that this year. We've realised that actually by giving our games to charities that can most benefit from them, you know, it costs us the same to give a charity £20 or £100 worth of games. So in the situations where they really want the games, that is a much more valuable kind of valuable thing to give. So we're still, we're still doing... 10% of profits in, in pure cash. <laughs> but the games is something we're growing bigger every year. No, that's really interesting and really, really inspiring for anyone who's looking for the right mix to help kind of make a good impact. There are all these different ways that you can contribute as a business. But obviously you wouldn't be able to do that if you weren't building a big enough business to make a profit to be sustainable. And I know that you have done that. One of the channels has been Amazon. So I would love to talk about that because it's a hot topic, building business on Amazon. So how did you make that channel work for you? We knew from the start, I think, that we'd want to sell on Amazon. Um, It's a huge platform. We almost wouldn't exist you know in the in the, in the shape we are now without Amazon but one of the big pros at the beginning was I found out I was pregnant the day after I set up my company which was great <laughs> um but also um gave me quite a deadline to get everything kind of up and running and um because we signed up to Amazon's uh FBA fulfillment by Amazon service that meant that they were able to handle all the packing um, and all the customer orders so from the very start of being on Amazon that was all taken out of our hands and it meant that it didn't matter you know whether we were selling three copies a day or 30 copies or 300 copies a day you know at Christmas it didn't make a difference to our kind of day-to-day being able to you know look after the baby and and run the companies and the other side I guess is the visibility we get access to all those people who are looking for a game who want something that's going to help them uh, spend time with their loved ones and you know we can be right there we're um, not having to build a platform from scratch but is there any sort of like nitty gritty hacks or kind of interesting things you've learned about how to how to market yourself on Amazon that you could share yes yes absolutely um so obviously underlying it all is really knowing who you're talking to so having a really clear idea in your mind I mean this is important for all kind of marketing but just knowing okay who's who's gonna who's gonna most enjoy this game uh what does that person think about what do they feel um what are they looking for um and just tailoring your listing to make sure you're really talking to them rather than try and talk to everyone try and just talk to that one person and tell them why your product is the one that is just what they're looking for do you mean like that because you're aiming at families you would put like great for family time or something into the listing you would actually you know talk about it being fun for all ages I'm just trying to think how that applies in a real world like sentence yeah I'm trying um yes so absolutely um real family friendly focus so yeah we're targeting you know families um and sociable adults as well but you know the main kind of people who have older well kind of eight to twelve year old children that's our absolute kind of absolute core and yeah really being explicit about how you know um this is the people who will enjoy it and this is um how it will make you feel um we've actually got a bit of a word whiz uh, my colleague dave's better better with the words than i am <laughs> but um but yeah he's really focused on like this i'm talking to and um and you know one way we found that was really helpful um in finding out what what was important to people and what people 
liked was looking at the reviews. So reviews are obviously massive on Amazon. Um, and looking through the reviews, so seeing what other people are talking about when they talk about your um, products, um, is so helpful because you can see, oh, these things, like with our games, like it was always about the laughter and having fun, but also um, the fact that the game, well, several of the games work really well kind of intergenerationally so you know people would say oh you know my parent my the grandparents have been playing with this with the grandkids especially over zoom and lockdown and um and that was really important because that came through from the reviews and we thought actually we should highlight this in the in the kind of in the listing that that's important to people um and the size as well oh actually this is a learning so the size all our games are pocket size uh by design you know we we designed them to be small because, you know, we think if you put them in your pocket, you can play them anywhere. Um, you know, parents get lots more use out of them. You can just take them along wherever you're going. Um, use, you know, less less environmental resources, uh, easier to ship, uh, generally good if they're smaller. <laughs> and, and in the reviews, people do love the size of them or in, in half of the reviews in, in our reviews now people love the size of them because of all those things but in our early reviews um just because size is hard to see online you know everyone's heard the story you buy something online and you think it's going to be a, like a full-size sofa and it arrives and it's a you know a doll's house sofa and I think unfortunately with with kind of size perception online when we first uploaded it, people didn't know necessarily. I mean, the dimensions were on there. We'd said in the copy, but sometimes the images are more powerful than the words. So actually, there's some people who just saw the image, clicked it, and, bought, and expected it to be a full-size board game. And, you know, the content's no difference, but if you're expecting to receive a giant board game and you receive a kind of a pocket-sized one, you feel like there's, yeah, you, and, and we don't want anyone to have a bad experience. Like, that's our, that's our fault. If someone has thought it was one thing and they've received something else, that's our fault. So we've done many things over the year to try and be as explicit as possible about, you know, we've got pocket size. <laughs> we've got it in somebody's hand as one of the main images. Uh, we talk a lot on the listing about, you know, it's small, you can take anywhere. It's pocket size in the title. So we've worked really hard to make sure people know what they, because when they know what they're getting, they love it. They think this is brilliant. It's pocket size. I can take it anywhere. But yeah, you just don't want people to have any surprises. Oh, one more thing I was going to say about the listings. Another useful exercise is putting yourself in the shoes of somebody who's looking for whatever your product is. So for us, maybe family game. Um, and go on Amazon and looking for, for a family game and seeing what comes up and you know, seeing what other stuff they're going to be seeing and then thinking about how you're going to stand out from them, um, what makes you different, and I guess highlighting, highlighting those points. We haven't cracked how to. Um, <laughs> we haven't cracked how to get good re good reviews as fast as possible. There's no kind of magic. There's no magic, you know, trick to it. Um, I think the sooner you can get reviews on your product, the sooner people are going to stop trusting it and and buying it. But it's hard because you know, and unless people are buying it, there's no one to to leave reviews. So that generally has been quite a slow process for us for new products so you upload some you put something up there and we've got that kind of brand kind of association now so someone might buy it because they've heard of one of our other games but yeah one of the biggest challenges is getting those those first kind of dozen reviews um and yeah we haven't cracked it right, my only advice is just make a really good product that people will love and that they will enjoy and then eventually you'll get those good reviews. But if anyone's got any uh, excellent hacks for that, I'd love to know. <laughs> Definitely.
can't you cheat? Can't you just get like a hundred of your friends to buy every new game and leave a review? Or is that like super dodgy? It just feels wrong. It just feels wrong. Like, I don't know. It's a tricky one because that's not what Amazon wants. Amazon doesn't want your friends writing reviews. They, um, and you know, they've got magical algorithms that can, uh, that can work everything out. So I wouldn't want to, <laughs> I'd be very nervous of getting a hundred. I definitely wouldn't get a hundred friends. Um, you know, I think if one or two friends wrote a review, but I'm sure they can like, I don't know, they've got algorithms. I'm sure they could, they could work out who knows each other. I think it would be, it's a bit of a dangerous game. I wouldn't ever want to put up reviews that, um, yeah, we're still working on it. We're trying to work out how to, how to speed it up. But Well, this is one for the community then. They, oh, yeah. they can come back to us and say, right, we've got, we've got it for Hazel. Yeah. We've got it cracked. This is what we did. So maybe we'll brilliant. We'll a, if little, you can get... a little push out on socials and see if we can get something useful coming back to you. That would be amazing. Genuine reviews as quick as possible is the goal. <laughs> Don't you, can you put like a little message in, in with the parcel to say, please review us. Um, we'd love feedback and if you do here's two pounds off your next purchase or something or is that I'm obviously a real crook at heart I'm like all about the bribes <laughs> I'm so reluctant do you know what I used to work at um at which magazine you know the consumers association like doing um product testing undercover investigations and I just feel like it's like and that's obviously real like proper reviews like you know testing in labs and like that is that is the top standard for a review the witch review so I just feel like it's instilled within within me this real sense of like moral duty when it comes to reviews like I just it's got to be a real review and I think you're absolutely right you could do things I think if we can incentivize people who would leave a review anyway but just need a little extra nudge I'm, I'm comfortable with that but any kind of I don't know just like there's this big like light bulb in my head going fake reviews of the devil <laughs> probably for yeah, rich fair. so so yeah we 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 if we can find an ethical way to get genuine reviews really fast that will just make my dreams come true so yeah if the community have got any recommendations okay uh, we're on it we're on it Hazel. <laughs> um and and on the point about kind of building on amazon that one of the things that gets sort of discussed is that obviously because their amazon's often handling quite a lot of the, the the grunt work it can be quite expensive so how many units at what kind of price point would you have to sell in order for it to be a viable model because if you were selling like toothpicks for a penny each and you weren't selling that many it would probably not be I'm imagining so how do you do the sums to make it um to to know whether it works for your business yeah, sure. So I knew you were going to ask me about the uh, numbers. So I've gone and looked at our margins on <laughs> so I can hopefully offer some um, a kind of a worked example. But um, yeah, I don't know if there's a formula for what price what price you have to be able to offer it at. I guess in terms of margins, um, I think we make about a forty percent gross profit margin, um, and I can tell you how that breaks down. But um, that is that's very high i think on amazon and it's because we've got an original product that we've invented ourselves that is manufactured you know it doesn't use expensive manufacturing materials it's just it's just cards but all the kind of value of it is in the the intellectual property if you like it's the content on the cards it's that the the writing and the um it's like a book you know the value is not the paper it's it's what's written on it so i think we've got pretty good margins for amazon um and i think 
you're more likely to get those if you've got something original that you've created yourself and that isn't so it means that you can't um you can't be undercut then I suppose you've not got lots of people competing in the same space and I think that's the challenge you know Five years ago, when I set up the company, there was lots of kind of adverts going, oh, yeah, sell, you know, sell on, not adverts, but, you know, people selling on Amazon saying, you know, you can make hundreds of thousands of pounds, just use this tool to find out what products aren't selling and what you can sell for a bit cheaper. And, and yeah, that's made lots of people lots of money. But I think for the long term, like to have a sustainable Amazon business that's going to keep going, those businesses, you're constantly having to create new products, constantly having to manufacture, constantly having to find small gaps in the market. And as soon as you've got it working well, someone else is going to say, oh, I can do that for a penny cheaper or I can do. So when you're competing on cost, that's always going to be, that's always going to be a challenge. So yeah, I think we're really fortunate in that um, our games are original. You can't, I mean, you can make other games and that's, we absolutely have a lot of competition, but you know, it's not the same product. So, you know, with, um, lots of consumables that you're competing for the ex- on the exact same kind of thing um and that yeah that really is a challenge but has anyone tried to copy i mean is that a thing you have to worry about kind of copycat especially once you've got success i don't lose sleep over it i, <laughs> I think the thing is with games um all get no game is truly original like there's there's absolutely no every game is built on another game is built on another game our first game, Randomize. So to make Randomize, um, I picked out all the bits of my favourite party games. So Charades, Articulate, Pictionary, and then put a new twist on them by creating these really random identities where you get three different cards. You might be Confused Octopus Eating Spaghetti, uh, Angry Beaver Playing the Drums. So I added that layer of randomness on top of kind of what was already kind of three established mechanics, you know, drawing to communicate, describing to communicate and acting out. And have made randomised, which I think has got like the best of all worlds, and 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 and, and elevates it to another level. But you know, if sure, if you could copyright games and charades was, you know, you could never make another game where you have to act things out. So I think all games are evolutions of other games. And um, if someone, I don't know, I think for us, we're really lucky. We've had some really good hits, and this games that that people love, and because our games are sort of naturally viral, once they're out there because um, you've got to play them with like three people, four people. All those games, you know, we've sold a quarter of a million games now and all those games that are out there getting played and advertising our games to other people. So if someone were to come along now and, and, and make another version, I think <laughs> it wouldn't be ideal, but I wouldn't. Um, I'd just be focused on making the next, the next new best thing. So, yes. The next big hit. And that's, that's what I want to ask you about next is how often you have to bring out new games and how do you, once you've had a hit, it must be extraordinary pressure to then have to try and make another hit again and again. So how on earth do you do that? That's so funny because I was just thinking back. Um, so when I made Randomize, the first one, um, yeah, I remember thinking like, I never made, well, I say I'd never made a game before Randomize. Actually, a week before I'd made a game before, before Randomize um, that was literally... <laughs> I can laugh now. It was literally just like cards that had things from the seaside on that you had to act out. And I was, came home to my husband. I was like, Chris, I've made this great game. It's like the seaside acting game. It's just things from the seaside that you have to act out. And he was a bit like, mm, I'm not sure that's strong enough. And I was, I cried, I think. I was like, oh my God, I've made this great game, Chris. Like, how can you not love it? It's seaside acting. Um, it's like shell and crown. Anyway, he said, why don't you try again? Um, and then when I tried on myself... <laughs> 
on my second time, <laughs> then I came up with randomized. So I was like, oh, okay, how can you make this better? Da, 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 da. Came up with randomized. Yeah, that's now like sold. Tons of copies. Brilliant. So firstly, don't give up on your first idea. But also after I'd made randomized, because, you know, then I got it all up and running. I sort of thought of my business as randomized. You know, I've made this thing. I'm going to sell it. Um, had my son. And then I did think, oh, I wonder, will I ever be like make another game? Like, well, is, is this something I could do again? Or is this like a one-off thing that I just happened to like make and then it did well? Um, and it took a little while. We had we had one in between that we thought would be like, like a full board game that we got really excited about, but we just couldn't get it to that great level. It was it was good. People enjoyed it. But we couldn't get it to the level that we'd be like, this is, this is the best thing. People need this. So that one, spent quite a lot of time on that one and that one got paused. Then, yeah, two years after Randomise, um, we brought out two games, so Soundiculous and The Pretender, and Soundiculous is now our bestseller by miles, so that kind of second slash third game, um, yeah, that is absolutely our bestseller. I don't think it's quite taken over Randomise yet, because Randomise said five years, Soundiculous said three years, but it's gonna, you know, in the next few months, in, the, in this year, it will it will overtake Randomise for cumulative sales. And yeah, so I think after having done those, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is just a thing. Like creativity is a thing that you can practice and that you can get better at and that you can keep, you know, we've, we've all got creativity inside of us. And when we're children, we've got no fear about spending time painting, spending time experimenting, um, spending time tapping into that creativity. I think it's only when we get older that we, that we lose that a bit. Um, I remember I didn't take um, <laughs> like a, a sore point, but I didn't take um, art GCSE because um, my mum was like, oh, you can't guarantee yourself an A in that because, um, you know, obviously it's all, it's all subjective. So I'd just leave it. Um, and, you know, being quite studious, I was like, oh yeah, better do the things I can, you know, the objective things I can get, get A's. <laughs> and, and from that point, I think I just stopped thinking of myself as creative. I was like, oh, I didn't take art GCSE, then I'm not really like creative. And it's been an absolute joy over the last five years, like tapping back into that, giving myself permission to think of myself as a creative person. And and yeah, to be able to explore that. And I think um, people sometimes ask, oh, you know, but where do the ideas come from? And I think um, the two kind of main things for me um, is having, putting all the interesting stuff in there. So to stay curious, to keep looking at what's... Um, what's going on whether that's you know obviously we play a lot of other games but also outside of games like you know culture looking movies books exhibitions galleries uh, when we're allowed to go to them um and you know noticing things keeping your eyes open notice what's going on um and just soaking it all in and getting all that inspiration and, and welcoming it um and I guess the second thing is then what I, I really need is that that time and space to let the connections be made because I think so much of creativity is taking this one thing and putting it this to this other and, and by joining them together it turns into something completely different so for me like sea swimming I love swimming in the sea having that time where I'm not thinking about anything else and that's sometimes when the connections it's like the classic thing that you know good ideas always come to you when you're in the shower and why is that because your brain's got time to put the join the dots and, and, and put things together so do you set specific windows of time then do you have like do you have like a rule where you have two hours a day where you can just be in your thoughts or is it not as rigorous as that I have tried you know I've tried to do like creative Fridays you know spending Friday um just doing creative stuff but there's, there's two small issues <laughs> one is 
I think, I don't know if it's my personality, but if I have to do something, anything, I don't want to do it. So like <laughs> I can find joy, <laughs> do you know, I can find joy in every aspect of my work. Like even if I'm doing our annual accounts, there's joy to be had in that. You know, there's once I get into it, I love it. And I'm looking at the numbers and I'm working it all out and I'm in the flow. So any aspect of my company I can get joyful about and really enjoy. But anything that's in my diary that I have to do, when I've got a, it's, maybe it's, I used to be like, I used to write a witch magazine, so maybe it's like the, the old kind of thing of deadlines, but if ever I have something blocked in my diary, I'm like, I must do this today. My, something in my brain goes, I don't want to do it. So the weird, it's the weirdest thing, because even if I've got a day blocked out to make new games, all of a sudden I get to it, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to, don't know if I want to make new games today, not if I have to make new games. <laughs> so... Um, essentially where I am at the moment is I do try and block out time for it but also I just have to grab it when it comes and quite often the creative stuff comes when I'm thinking about other aspects of my business and do you know what so much of it comes from when we're talking about our customers so when we're when we're, when we're really in that zone of like who are we talking to like um that's when a lot of the good stuff comes out um so now I know that actually when it comes make the most of it but it absolutely is is a muscle and it can be practiced and I do I do spend those Fridays and, and I do enjoy them once I get into them it's just and maybe there is a little bit of fear of what if I what if I don't come up with anything good what if I you know what if I spend all day and and Chris says my ideas are rubbish well I think that's only <laughs> human to be fair I think and also when you're in something that is so yes. creative that you're kind of trying to pull things out out of thin air like the, it, the risk is higher because you're not just building on something that came before you're having to be completely unique every time well ish mm. as you say everything is borrowed um but <laughs> yeah. i have to ask you Hazel, about dragon's den because um this is such a cool experience and i know that I, you didn't go on to take funding but i think a lot of people who run businesses wonder does it really give you that much exposure i know it used to a long time ago but tell me about that whole experience and what it did for the business and for you and your confidence yeah so well it seems like so long ago now i guess it was two and a half years ago that we filmed it and two years that it went out um yeah so do you know what people had always said oh you should go on Dragon's Den you should go on Dragon's Den and um we just thought oh yeah that'd be nice but sort of never got around to applying it and they it was them who approached us and said oh you know you've got a small business would you like to go on would you like to go on Dragon's Den and so I thought okay I mean luckily we'd been because we were profitable from kind of day one you know we didn't have high costs um reasonably low manufacturing we you know from from the first year we were making a profit and able to reinvest that profit into growing the business so we'd been growing quite nicely organically so yeah absolutely I didn't I didn't go on it for the money um but so what I did go on was for the the investment like the advice so we thought, actually, we did some soul searching when, uh, you know, they contacted us and we thought, oh, you know, we don't necessarily need the money, but we would love that expertise. So if we could have got a really good dragon that, you know, especially with international growth, could have sometimes Google's amazing and Google, I've built my business basically on Google and stuff, like taught myself uh, business accounting, everything you want to know, you can just basically get from Google. But what you can't get is that... I guess it's you don't know what you don't know. So I can't Google something that I just have no idea what the questions are I should even be asking. So for us, getting an investor on board with, you know, wealth of experience, um, that's what it would have done. It would have opened those doors for us and just given us a shortcut to a lot of that information that, that we were kind of grappling for when it came to international stuff. So yeah, we decided to go on. Um, and yeah, 
we got an offer of investment, um, but it wasn't from the dragon, the two dragons that we were kind of hoping for. Um, and it also wasn't um, a great deal in the end. So obviously, um, we didn't think financially it made, well, I say we, it was just me in the room trying to make a decision by myself. <laughs> but I didn't think it made good financial sense. Um, and yeah, and in terms of exposure, obviously, it was brilliant um, to go on there and to have all those kind of people um see our games and hear our story and that was amazing um it actually went live i think it was a few days before christmas um, oh perfect timing it was just one week too late no no oh, it no. was like it was get... a sunday i think <laughs> so it was too late to order from amazon <laughs> so i think yeah i think we'd we'd thought oh maybe you know you could see like a massive increase in sales and we did and we didn't you know we, it was a few hundred copies that we sold on the day however that kind of ongoing brand awareness people being aware of us people you know they might later on see our games and think oh i've seen that somewhere they might not know it's dragon's den but you know we're we're people maybe more aware of us i think that's stuff you can't measure and um i definitely wouldn't regret it like i absolutely loved i really like talking about my business in case you haven't guessed (laughs) (laughs) and um uh being on dragon's den was just getting to talk about it for um an hour and a half like um, it's funny because what they show on TV um, is kind of 10 minutes and it looks like I kind of walk in. I'm like, oh, I make games. I'd like some money. Can I have some money, please? And they're like, yes, here, have some money. And then I'm like, ah, oh, no, thanks. <laughs> um, which is great TV, obviously. And they're like, what? But like in reality, I was in there for an hour and a half. Um, they were asking loads of really good questions. Um, they, were, they were, yeah, really good questions that I loved answering. Um, and... Yeah, and there was like a really long negotiation period between me and Jenny, like trying to work out whether we could make it work, whether, you know, what kind of, you know, what she would bring to it. And um, obviously all that stuff gets stuck, get, all that stuff gets cut, but, um, but I loved it. It was a brilliant experience and yeah, so much fun. That <laughs> no, sounds cool. And I've watched a clip and I was like, wow, she's done so well. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it looks surprising, but... It didn't feel that surprising at the time that we turned them down. <laughs> and what what are your ambitions for this business? I mean, when I was thinking about kind of games, do you want to be kind of bigger than Uno? I mean, what do you what do you have on your like big lofty like the big hairy audacious goal? I think they say in in business land. Yeah. Well, life's pretty great to be honest. <laughs> um, no, what is our big hairy audacious goal? pretty much to keep doing what we're doing make more awesome games and get our games to more people like that that's that's the key to it like keep making good stuff keep using that creativity keep spending time on uh yeah making fun new things and also yeah get to more people but i think the big area and yeah obviously not obviously but we are um expanding um internationally as well so um US, Australia, Europe, we're actually printing um, 14 different language versions um, of some of games this year, which has been, we're signing them off like today and it's just, it's just ep- an absolutely epic project getting, uh, yeah, six different languages, three different games and yeah, so we are expanding internationally um, and that's really exciting, um, you know, getting to reach reach kind of new people in different places. But the, the biggest one I, I'd say is our impact outside our company so um i think during the lockdown last year that's when the kind of games for good program really kind of stepped up so we'd always given games to charity but we really kind of realized the value of it last year um and yeah 
ended up doing lots of different kind of donations um, of our games. And I think that's the area, well, both games and money, I would like to be massively increasing. You know, I think you get like, our business is at a stage now where we can live comfortably and, you know, we've got everything we need. We've got a roof over my head, got food to eat. Hopefully going to go to Cornwall in the camper van tomorrow. <laughs> so, you know, you get to say, to, actually, like, my life's comfortable and good. And so, actually, yeah, I'd like to grow the company bigger. And, and it looks like it will grow pretty much whatever I do. It's just kind of, it seems to be going well. But, yeah, I think I'm interested in what you can do with that. And I think part of it is I always thought I'd run a charity rather than a business when I was younger. I didn't ever think I'd end up running a business. But I think... Having you know spent a brief spell working in a charity, I've realised all the challenges of it, and and actually, I'm interested in like what can you do running a business that can have an impact and actually you know contribute to that redistribution of wealth to making um, yeah supporting the causes that you think are important and yeah I think if anything that's the area I'm most excited about um, seeing what our company can do for for good. In, yeah, I don't know exactly what that looks like. I think, yeah, the money and the game's increasing, um, working in partnership with different charities. But, yeah, like, my life's pretty comfortable. I'm not, you know, dreaming of a Ferrari or a anything. super yacht. Any- <laughs> no. no, that's definitely not me. I'm quite, I'm quite content, you know. I think for me, like, success, um, success means getting to spend, well, getting to spend the time that you want to with the people you love um and being able to choose every day what you want to spend your time on and I absolutely love growing my company I love um I love what we've made and 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 my team and and I would choose to spend my time on that but I really value having the choice um and um yeah like I was saying with the creative stuff what I'm doing now is the kind of these are all things I could work on and getting to pick out each day what what I'm feeling most like and that feels like success to me that feels Lucky, so yeah, I'm interested in how we can grow the impact and bring more people joy. You know, make more good games that bring people joy. But um, no, I don't have any big hairy yacht plans. <laughs> I think that's a good good place to stop because you've given us so many amazing insights and all this like. You know, when you were saying you don't know what you don't know, and I feel like you've answered a lot of those questions for a lot of people. So thank you so much. You've been phenomenal. Yes, thank you so much for inviting me on. I absolutely love that. Isn't Hazel amazing? So many useful tips about selling on Amazon, coming up with creative ideas, and building the type of business that makes you happy. If you enjoyed this episode half as much as I did, please tell us on Twitter or Instagram using the hashtag soundadvicepodcast. We'd love to hear from you. And wherever you're listening or watching, subscribe. If you want to squeeze every last drop of juice out of this fruitful episode, check out sage.com slash podcast for more tips and resources. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next time for more sound advice.